So on today's episode, I eat blueberries in your ear and I talk about how I had a giant piece of blueberry stuck in my teeth on a coaching call and nobody told me, which led to the topic of conversation about hindsight bias and self-awareness and how to use both of them to your benefit as an entrepreneur to basically ensure you never make a mistake again and can predictably show up in a manner that gives you the best chance of success. And so without further ado, let's cue the intro and let's get into the episode. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good, because this is the Mind of George podcast where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Mind of George Show, where today there might be blueberries stuck in my teeth. I don't know what it is right now, but I just finished a workout and I had a craving for blueberries. And so I think it's just like two pounds. I've just been mowing on like two pounds of blueberries and they taste really, really good. But blueberries really get stuck in my teeth. And I did a call yesterday, a coaching call, and the whole time I had this giant piece of blueberry in my teeth, and nobody told me, let me finish chewing. If you have, like, misophonia, I completely apologize. My wife has misophonia, by the way, which that is the thing where the noise of people chewing drives you nuts. I should have I should have warned you to mute that part. But I did this entire coaching call yesterday, and... Nobody said anything, and I didn't catch it because when I'm on my calls, I have other people on video because I don't like looking at myself when I'm on calls or else I start like changing my mannerisms. And then I walk into the bathroom, and then <laughs> I look in the mirror, and I have this giant thing. Like it looked like I was missing the front of my teeth. And then I was like, oh, that was from my blueberry addiction that I've been on for the last couple of days. And none of this serves any purpose whatsoever except today's episode is about self-awareness. It's about self-awareness. And if you've listened to any of the past episodes in the last couple of weeks, I've talked a lot about integrity. I've talked about eliminating my ruminating mind. I've talked a lot about all the things that will actually move the needle for us. And then when we think about our life, our business, and everything in between, really the only thing that we can control is ourselves. We can control how we view situations, how we analyze situations, how we react to situations. And then we can always control the input that we give to situations, but we can never control the outcome ever. And so uh, a buddy of mine, Nir Ayal, I call him a buddy, acquaintance, amazing human being uh, who was on this podcast, who wrote the book Indistractable and Hooked, and he's been on the, a guest on the show, and the show is incredible, sent an article out the other day on hindsight bias, on hindsight bias. And I'm going to read to you what hindsight bias is. Hindsight bias occurs when people feel that they quote unquote knew it all along, when they believe that an event is more predictable after it becomes known than it was before it became known. In other words, when we're looking back in an event after it already happened, knowing the outcome influenced our perception of the events leading up to it. And this thing triggered a deep thought in me, and I've been reflecting on it and thinking about it and reading this whole article and taking notes. And I realized that when I look back at my entire entrepreneurial career, 
almost every failure, struggle, resistance, or challenge that I faced came from me having an extreme amount of hindsight bias due to a lack of self-awareness in how I viewed situations and how I viewed my book launch and my app launch and my social media and the inputs that were done. And so I concocted this view, this paradigm in my brain that I knew it would happen that way. So therefore, I knew how it would happen or how it could happen differently in the future. Now, there's some semblance of truth to that. But more than not, I missed the mark completely. And I was like, hindsight bias, holy moly. Now, there's a lot of biases, cognitive bias, hindsight bias, and a ton. But this one really, really landed for me. And then I kept reading the article, and it gives examples of like hindsight bias, right? So what's an example? An investor might think, of course, the stock market crashed this year. I knew it would, despite not having sold out when there was a chance, right? Another one. A disappointed birthday girl might tell her party guests, I just knew it was going to rain on my birthday, even though there's no way she could have predicted the weather. A sports fan might claim with confidence, I always knew my team would win the championship this year. Well, she or he had little clue that the season began. We see this all the time in entrepreneurship. Business, crypto, email, launches, product launches, retail launches, virality. Like the amount of people that tell me that they knew something was going to go viral. And I was like, that is probably the most unpredictable thing on the planet because you're dealing with human emotion and consumption and algorithms and things that are completely out of our control. And then uh, it gets down <laughs> and he has this big part that says how hindsight bias tricks you into making terrible life choices. And I love this. I love this. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you why I love this when we get to that part. When we misinterpret our thinking that preceded an outcome, it can color our judgments for future predictions. And I was like, okay, yep, I totally, totally got that. Just because I wrote a winning email campaign for somebody else doesn't mean the same one is going to work for the next one. Just because I made a viral video doesn't mean the next one's going to be viral. Just because my last event crushed doesn't mean the next one's going to crush. The important thing to know about hindsight bias, hindsight bias is that it not only changes how you see the world, but it also changes how you see yourself in it. And that was from Neil Rose, a professor of marketing at Kellogg School of Management in Northwestern University. You begin to think, hey, I'm good. I'm really good at figuring out what's going to happen. And we begin to see outcomes as inevitable that we're not. For instance, once burned by not getting out of the stock market before a crash, investors might avoid getting back in the markets even when they logically know it's the right thing to do. In contouring the past to fit a narrative that he had known the market would crash all along, even when he didn't, the investor might listen to his incorrect intuition and get burned yet again. Quote, if you feel like you knew it all along, it means you won't stop to examine why something really happened, wrote Rose. It's often hard to convince seasoned decision makers that they might fall prey to hindsight bias, end quote. And here's what I find really interesting. And if you want to read this article, I highly recommend it. It's on Nier's website, and his website is called Near and Far, N-I-R-A-N-D-F-A-R.com. So if you just Google Near and Far, hindsight bias, it's absolutely incredible. And it says, how does hindsight bias affect certain fields? And the number one field, the number one field that is affected is entrepreneurship and business. Entrepreneurship and business. A Nobel Prize winning economist um, 
surveyed a hundred or 705 entrepreneurs from failed startups, 705. And before the failure, 77% of them believed their startup would grow into a successful business with positive cash flow. But after it failed, only 58% said they originally believed their startup would be a success. Such a disconnect clouds business leaders' judgment and ability to learn from the past. It makes people think that they can look back at past events and interpret something. It makes them think that they have a new ability to predict. It happens in business a lot when you think that something that has happened before is going to happen again. It seems to make sense, but then it doesn't happen again and you wonder what happened. Business people will decide a strategy because it worked for them before. But the conditions in the next environment are going to be different. It's a different market situation, different people, and it's a mistake to immediately assume that what worked before is going to work again. This tendency makes it more likely that business leaders will take on risky and poorly thought out ventures. Holy moly. I was like, you're completely talking about me for the last 12 years of my entrepreneurial career. And what a gift that I can see that now. I've fallen into this trap numerous times, numerous times where I've hedged my position, I've hedged my income, I've hedged my assets, my investments, my time based on past events without being able to see future predictions or indicators because of my hindsight bias due to my lack of self-awareness. I have rested my laurels on previous performances. And just because I won that game in 2002, or I became a New York Times bestseller in 2014, or I had the number one app in 2015, or I closed my biggest deal in 2017, or I had my most success in 2019, absolutely none, none of that has anything to do with my ability to predict if what I'm going to do right now is going to work based on how I remember it. The only thing that can help me predict what's going to work moving forward in the future is the documented facts of what I gave, what inputs I made, and what conditions existed back then compared to who I am today, the market today, what we're doing today, and a level of self-awareness today on what I can control to move something forward. And so I see this all the time because I've done it before. Oh, this worked. It'll work again. And then I chase revenue down. I did four launches in a row. I've burnt out my email list. I've done social the wrong way. And I've seen it all through this lens of what used to work. or But that worked or that worked or that did it this way or it worked when I did it that way or when I said that thing. But the truth is, is that even in that space, it's disconnected. It's disconnected from the market today. It's disconnected from my Instagram today. It's disconnected from you listening to this podcast today because just because that podcast I released with Alex Sharfin and Rob Bailey were our top two podcasts and I have them on again, it doesn't mean that those will take over as the new ones. And what I need to be in is I need to be an inquiry of the current situation, which requires a deep level of self-awareness. It requires humility for me. And that's why I'm talking about this today. Because this last week, I found myself with my team, with my clients, with some students, with people that I advise, saying I don't know a whole lot more. And it's made me so happy, so excited, and also so creative 
by opening up this lens of curiosity from this place of self-awareness. Because when I think about the state of the world, when I think about the market, when I think about internet marketing, when I think about paid media, whether it's on Facebook or Instagram or YouTube or Pinterest or Twitter or TikTok or Craigslist, I have absolutely zero, and I mean zero control on how any of those are going to perform. The only thing that I can control is the input into the system. My Instagram, let's say I make a tick, uh, a reel on Instagram. I have zero control over what happens the moment I hit post, but I have 100% control over what inputs I give to that reel to give it the best chance of working. And then I have the ability to observe. I have the ability to look at, oh, I did that, I said that, they commented on this, and it worked or it didn't work. What worked, what didn't work, and what am I going to do differently? But what it boils down to for me is having a willingness to look in the mirror to say, I don't know. Having a willingness to look in the mirror and have an inquisitive disposition to explore what worked or could have worked better what worked great and I can do more of, what didn't work and getting feedback around it, which requires the most undervalued and underutilized skill that every single entrepreneur has and has to have in their arsenal to win, which is radical self-awareness. Radical self-awareness. Because if I don't, and I'm just speaking to me, if I don't question my actions, control my actions, have discipline around my actions and my decisions, I'm guaranteed to continually lose this game. Guaranteed. Because the world is happening to me. The market is happening to me. The, the thing working or not working is happening to me. The client closing is happening to me. All of it's happening to me. And I'm advocating every ounce of my responsibility to something outside of myself, which means no matter how much I complain, no matter how much work I do, no matter how many inputs I give, I have zero ability to change it because I am giving it the same energy. And what changes it is a willingness to be radically self-aware, radically self-aware. And you'll see everybody. You'll see Andy Frisella talk about this. You'll see Ed Milet talk about this. You'll see Gary Vee talk about this. You will see all the greats talk about it. And they keep talking about it and they keep talking about it. And people have been talking about it for years. And I agree with all of them. And what I realize is that I can share it online all I want. I can engage with it all I want. I can listen to it in books. I can listen to it in videos. But until I stop and put it into practice every single day, I'm not sharpening that skill. And quite frankly, self-awareness is a muscle. And it is a muscle that needs to be flexed hundreds and hundreds of times a day or it atrophies faster than it gains strength. Self-awareness is a muscle that has to be flexed hundreds of times a day or it atrophies faster than it gains muscle. Because without self-awareness, I can't develop any other skills. Without self-awareness, I can't make any sound decisions. Without self-awareness, I have no idea how I'm showing up in the world, how people are responding to me in the world. I have no measure of what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, or how I'm doing it because I'm doing the quote-unquote entrepreneurial thing that I said I would do forever. I'm like, I'm a visionary. I'm the idea guy. I'm going to live in the clouds. When you live in the clouds, the clouds change. They distort. My memory of events changes every single day. And if I rely on my success, 
my business, my inputs, my leadership on clouded thoughts that change every single day based on whatever my brain chemistry is doing to try to remember the details of my life, I'm going to lose the game. My focus needs to be on every action I take, every decision I make, being aware of why I'm doing it, what's underneath it, and then making that decision and being willing to adjust, being willing to modulate, being willing to stop, to change course, and to keep going. Because if I look at this thing, and you've heard me say this before, but after my last trip to the jungle, I am more than aware than ever. And I said, if I look at this game, of zero to 100. I used to say I have 4% of it figured out and 96% to go. I feel like I was saying that just so people like, oh, he's being humble. Look at him. I really have probably less than one fucking percent of this game figured out. And there is so much room for improvement in my daily life, in my daily practice, in my breath practice, in my movement practice, in the integrity of my decisions and how I run business and how I look at my tasks and my procrastination in my voice, in my words. And I am presented with this massive field of opportunity that's quite fucking exciting for me at this point. Because I don't know, and I really never knew, but I was using my hindsight bias to say that I did know to avoid being mildly uncomfortable to learn what I needed to know and what I need to know in every moment to take a new step forward, to take a new step forward, and to take a new step forward. And so this year, this year is the year of honest conversations with myself. Honest come to Jesus, look in the mirror, have conversations with myself. And that comes down to a massive level of self-awareness. And so I agree with all the greats. In this episode, I agree with Andy and Nir, whose stuff I'm referencing. I agree with everybody who talks about it. I agree with all of it about self-awareness, about this is an internal game, because it truly, truly is. It truly, truly is. All the tools in the world exist. Paid media exists. Social media exists. The ability to create products exists. The ability to sell on Amazon exists. The ability to launch a Shopify store exists. The ability to do market research exists. The ability to build an audience exists. All of that exists already. And the only common denominator is the person who uses those tools. And quite frankly, I've relied way too much on the fucking tools and not enough on the person using them Because I was resting my success on my previous accomplishments because I was afraid to say, I don't know, and I'm a little scared. And now where I am, I'm excited to say, I have no fucking clue what tomorrow brings or what the next day brings or if this is going to work or if it's not going to work or if you're going to listen to this podcast and subscribe or listen and leave and listen and call me, listen and not, listen and hire me, listen and implement. I have no fucking clue. But what I do know is that I have loved recording this episode and that's all that I can control. So when I end this episode in a couple minutes, the moment it's ended, and it's published, and I share it, I have no control over what you do with it. If you listen or not, if you DM me or not, if you want me to coach you or not, if you tell people about me or not, but I do have full control over how I showed up today in this episode. Now, at the end, at the end of Nier's article on hindsight bias, um, he talks about how you can basically mitigate it. 
And he talks about like, why do we have it? The history of it. I'm not so concerned about all of that because here's the truth. I know I have it and I know I've had deep levels of it and I've lacked self-awareness to acknowledge it. So I'm doing it now, doing it now. And so here it is. I'm going to read this to you because it's absolutely incredible. And every coach, every mentor, every person I've ever looked up to has been saying the same shit to me for 10 years. And I finally hear it. I finally hear it. And for my wife, I love you. I know you get really frustrated because you tell me all these things and eventually I hear them and I give somebody else credit. I truly believe, Lindsay, that you've probably told me all of this and I hear you, babe. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Thank you for being consistent and leading me and loving me. I love you. Nir says, how to overcome hindsight bias. Perhaps the most effective tactic to overcome hindsight bias is to document the inputs to decisions and predictions as they happen, leaving a clear record that isn't at the mercy of a biased memory. Quote, the surest protection against hindsight bias is disciplining ourselves to make explicit predictions, showing what we did in fact know. That record can also provide us with some protection against those individuals who are warned to second guess us, producing exaggerated claims of what we should have known and perhaps should have told them. Another guy supports this message. He says, uh, Richard Thayer, he says, uh, one suggestion I make to my students is write stuff down. I have a colleague that says, if you don't write it down, it never happened. Any company that can learn to distinguish between bad decisions and bad outcomes has a leg up. And so when documenting the inputs that went into making decisions, be sure to weigh them as well. We try to teach people to use what we call Bayesian thinking. Bayesian thinking. So uh, 18th century English statistician Thomas Bayes' premise was to consider all sources of information but weigh them. Some information is more valuable, but all information has some value. Weigh that information appropriately and you tend to make the best decision. Make decisions based on what the data says is likely to happen, not what you think is going to happen. And so basically, write it down, document it. When I look back at my book launch, and I'm going to use this as my only example, I was a 22-week New York Times bestseller. And they said, you'll never make the New York Times. It'll never happen. Our audience wasn't big. Our list wasn't big. And then I'll never forget, I got a phone call on the Tuesday because our book came out on June 10th. And the Times reports Tuesday to Tuesday. On the next Tuesday, got a call. Holy moly, congrats. I don't know how you did it. You hit the New York Times. And I think we were 14th. And they're like, enjoy it while it lasts. You probably won't be on the list the next week. And then the next week, it went from 16th to like 13th. And they're like, I don't know how you're doing this. Then the next week, it went from 13th to 10th. And then the next week, it went from 10th to 8th. And it ended up in fourth position. And the truth is, is that if I wrote a book now, that probably wouldn't happen. Because I know what I did to make that happen. And it was nine months of work and it was exhausting. And I don't need the label and I don't care about the label. But I am crystal clear as to why that book was a New York Times bestseller. I know exactly what decisions I made. I know exactly what strategy I used. I knew how. I knew when. I knew why. And I documented all of it. And so now when I ever write a book again, because it's coming, I have no, no false premise that just because I write it, it's going to be a New York Times bestseller. And I know with that cookbook, just because I wrote it, it wasn't an anomaly. It was done very, very intentionally. But I can clearly tell you what I did and how much weight it carried because I designed the entire thing like that. 
And so basically, if you don't have a journaling habit, if you don't have a reflection habit, if you don't have a stillness habit, if you don't have a feedback habit, create one. Ask your team for feedback. Ask yourself. Ask your spouse. Ask the people that see you every day because they see you clearly. Hey, what am I doing that's working? What do you think can use some improvement? Hey, team, what did we do that worked? What do we not? Let's document it. Let's write it down. And let's make some assumptions for the next one based on data. And let's try a ton of new stuff to see if it will work better. But in summary of today's episode, and I'm going to wrap because I want to go eat more of my blueberries before my next podcast, the secret to winning is having a massive level of self-awareness and enough to explore everything that we've done in our career, in our life, in entrepreneurship, in business, in relationships, eliminating the hindsight bias and then making decisions based on data, documenting everything that we do new and continuing to build the playbook of us so that whatever tool we pick up and use, we know how to effectively use it because we document, train it, and basically build our manual to execute it. And so that's what I got today. That's what I wanted to talk about today. And like I said, I loved this fucking episode. I'm stoked that I did this episode. I feel amazing. What you do with it, I have no clue. If I can help you in any way, shoot me a DM on Instagram. You know, my Instagram is it's George Bryant. I respond to all of them. If you want in the mastermind, shoot me a DM. If I can help you with customer journey, shoot me a DM. If I can coach you and help you in any way, please shoot me a DM. Because uh, there's nothing I can't do. I mean, there's nothing I can do if I don't hear from you. I kind of like rhymed, but I'm not Dr. Seuss. So with all that being said, have an absolutely beautiful day of the week, whatever day it is that you're looking at this, listening to this or watching this. Remember that relationships will always beat algorithms. And I'll see you in the next episode. I'm going to go eat my blueberries now, but I'm going to wait till I end the podcast because I don't want to hurt your ears. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Mind of George Show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.